the biggest challenge for us as a company was to trust them initially, which I know sounds really bad. I saw like we didn't trust them, but it was hard for us to give up our work and give them a share of the responsibility because for us, again, it was a pretty young company. The engineering team was fairly young. So it was difficult to give up something that you had worked so hard to build. But then we saw, okay, everybody that we're bringing it on is expected to be the same caliber. So let's start treating them as such. And I think once we passed on larger and larger projects, we were all very happily surprised that this was working as well as we thought, because the onboarding again for in this mass, onboarding was not smooth for a lot of people. And they were able to lean on each other because again, if it's one person who's lost, they're kind of lost by themselves. But if you have like 10 or 12 people who are kind of in the same boat, they can lean on each other to help each other out and get through it. So on the senior level, like on talent quality level, like we got exactly what we expected. I'm Ben Grenell, part of the early startup team here at Levels. We're building tech that helps people to understand their metabolic health. And this is your front row seat to everything we do. This is a whole new level. Scaling companies is hard. Hiring is hard. Scaling, hiring, well, that is hard too, especially when you talk about talent density and a competitive pipeline of candidates that have offers from many different startups. When you start to talk about some of the big tech companies, that being Facebook, Amazon, Google, the list goes on, and all these smaller startups that are just early on, well, that gets very difficult when you compete for people who are engineers. And so how do you attract top tier talent to a startup? How do you scale and grow a hiring pipeline when the company is growing? It gets pretty difficult. And there are all these different avenues that you can go. You can pay top dollar. Well, everyone wants to have rates that are competitive. Everyone wants to make sure that early employees have things like equity, incentives to keep them in place. That doesn't go away. But in order to attract talent, sometimes you have to start fishing in different ponds. Well, this is very much the case when it comes to engineering resources. So Sam Korkos, co-founder and CEO, sat down with Sudeep Sidhu, one of the engineering leaders at NEO, a fintech startup based out of Calgary, Canada. And the two of them talked about Sudeep's experience in growing and scaling an engineering network of potential candidates with the Canadian tech company Skip the Dishes. Early on, Skip had a pool of engineers that were very much local to the prairies in Canada. But over time, as the company grew, as it scaled, there was a necessity to attract more talent a lot faster. So Sudeep and the team, they went down to Brazil. They recruited in South America and they ran a process. And over a short period of time, they ended up bringing nearly 100 engineers on board from this Brazilian talent pool. And so Sam had a bunch of questions for Sudeep. How did they go about the process? What did it look like? What did they learn? What are things to avoid and how do you double down? Even certain things like when people go through a technical challenge, do they bring their own laptops or do you provide them? Do you plan things in advance before doing a recruiting trip? How exactly does it work? And if you work with an agency, well, how should you think about the process? Anyway, it was a great conversation to dig in. Here's where they kick things off. We just finished a big hiring push for engineering. And I want to make sure that we're prepared for our next big hiring push, which will probably be sometime early next year. 
given that we, we operate fully remotely, we operate in basically America's time zones, uh, California to Brazil is our time zone. Um, we also pay 90th percentile Bay area rates, which makes me feel like we can probably get access to some really quality talent in Latin America. I've also spent a lot of time down there. So I'm trying to get a sense of assuming all of those things to be true. What is the best strategy? Is it like talk to all of the recruiters in the area and schedule a bunch of meetings? How much of it can be done virtually? Is it useful for me to do a physical tour where I go down there and meet people? I just want to learn as much as I can about this. That makes sense. The way I've done it, because our company, like the company that I went uh, really be, did, did the big push for was uh, Skip, and we weren't remote at all. So for us, it was, and we were able to get candidates at at some, like, I guess, small, low pace compared to when we did our, our big push. Uh, just kind of give you a number, I think, before we were getting maybe about one or two new people on the engineering team, like developers and engineers. Uh, one or two of them a week and then we knew the company was needed to grow like rapidly because we're taking us much larger parts of the market uh, in canada and then also internationally and so for that we just decided to say okay let's fast track this process we were working with this one recruitment company and uh, they kind of helped set up the event in in sao paulo and we went there there were probably about eight or nine engineers in the interviews. We had some folks from the our like people team kind of chat with, with the candidates as well, and also our VP of engineering. And the, the fun part was like, we all got to go to Brazil for the first time. Yeah, that was that was really that nice. But also, I think we would not have been able to do nearly as much interviewing and kind of filtering if we were doing it all like remotely because we were all scheduled for one and it would take somewhere like between an hour and an hour and a half per interview. And it was like a very long, slow process. Uh, so our format was because we were interviewing like 300 people over the course of a, over a weekend, uh, our format was like 10 minute meetings or 10 minute interviews. And they would go through three rounds of those. So you would start off with maybe somebody on people team, or you would start with somebody on the engineering side of things. And we were looking for like engineers across mobile, front end, back end, infrastructure, really anything that we, and we need all those roles. Um, so for us, like that was really successful. And it wasn't that if you made it past that step that you would be hired. It was more of, okay, let's just try and shortlist as quickly as we can. And then when we're back in Canada, we would still go through like the regular tech interview process because there's no way to actually um, over like 10 minutes try to tell if somebody's going to be a, a good fit for your organization or not. Got it. So the, the sourcing, did it all come from one agency? Is that how that worked? Yeah. And we were working with them before like going down there as well. And uh, while we were there, we also did try to work with I think it was two or three other local agencies and we just didn't have the success um, with that because the the one agency we're working with, they were qualified um, or that's kind of their deal. Like they, they work on international hiring 
and hiring from markets like Latin America, India, um, Europe. So they really had the expertise. They had the staff. They were fairly organized uh, because this thing had to run like pretty much clockwork, right? You, when you have only 10 minutes, even like losing a minute or two minutes here and there, it really adds up to the end of the day. And um, so they were like really set up, well set up for this. And one thing that we did to add a little bit of technical um, assessment to the process was we set this up as like um, as a hack day. So you would have, uh, we had two batches. So one on, I think it was like Saturday and one on Sunday. And we would have some sample projects set up uh, for these engineers, these interviewers to introduce to uh, code. So that way, if, you know, we felt really good about them when we were on site, we would take a look at their coding challenge and then we would say, okay, where does person rank? And then we would prioritize uh, the future interviews based on based on that list. Yeah, building on the the technical interview process, that was one of my questions. Um, so I'm, I'm imagining something like a super day where you just have a whole bunch of people show up all at once. Do you have people bring their own laptops? Do you set up stations? What is the, the tactical way that you, you manage like 300 people all coming in? Or is this also handled by the agency? Uh, so this was, they were all part of their own equipment, like laptops. Um, we did do a presentation about the company. And I think that's the one key part that not many people will get if you do a one-on-one -on -one session. I think before we even got into it, we would say, hey, this is Skip, this is what we do. We have the our offices in, in these cities. Uh, this is some information about that city or uh, kind of talk about the just the, in, the household income, the average cost of a house, how cold it actually gets. Um, so folks had a, a bit more context on what what the move would be like. And we just did a quick Q&A before the day got started. Um, you could even grab, like, let's say if you're in for a developer, uh, you could go chat with our infrastructure person who was there uh, interviewing. And same thing about like mobile or backend. So you could really learn a lot more about the company. And I think that help people kind of push through the project and they were just a lot more engaged during the day but yeah they all brought their equipment we just had like long tables set up so per row you you probably had about 15 16 people uh you know we had brought in lunch and all that kind of stuff so it wasn't like they had to go out somewhere to get lunch um it was all handled like in the in the meeting one giant meeting room of this uh of this hotel we were in got it how much of this was either handled or organized or scoped by the agency that you work with and how much of this did you have to figure out on your own? So getting the people, well, like getting a list of people, doing all the advertising, uh, what was done primarily by the agency, we would, of course, uh, kind of put that back in our marketing channels. We would say, hey, on LinkedIn, hey, we're doing a big push. Uh, here's, well, here's where we are. And setting up like talking to the hotel and all that was done by the agency. But then we kind of had to figure out who gets to interview who. They had like a, a Trello board set up so you could see people who were moving to the stream and who got like one check mark two or two check marks getting feedback from their previous uh, interviews. Um, I think the, yeah, like all the tech, the sourcing, the the venue was, was all set up by the agency. So like a lot of it was done by the agency. We just kind of had to drop in, uh, 
with our with our folks and get to interviewing, leave feedback and stuff like that. Awesome. That's really helpful. I didn't realize that agencies did that much of the, the work. Um, did you guys do any sorts of uh, group events, uh, like closing dinners? Was there any? Also, did you differentiate between uh, with our special processes for maybe very senior candidates or there were candidates that you really specifically wanted to close or was it more just bulk uh bulk hiring yeah for for like a group thing with the candidates uh, we didn't really do much uh i think we had maybe the what the one or two that we really liked we would take them out because the team was going out at night anyway most of the people were were local and so it wasn't much of a, of a task to like add on you know three or four more people to the invite that was easy enough for the really senior ones or the ones that we really liked. We would just touch base with our people team and say, hey, can we get them interview set up like tomorrow or the day after, like the full one uh, with, with folks back in back in Canada. So I think that's what we talked about. Like a lot of the feedback we say, hey, this person's excellent. Can we get them going on the next steps immediately and see what we can do to like fast track their application? Got it. And how did you, because it sounds like you've had mixed experience with different agencies. How did you go about finding them? How did you decide on them? Um, and were there any things that somebody should look for that would differentiate between uh, one that, that you would expect to be high quality and one that you would not? So this particular agency we have been working with for probably close to two years, I want to say, uh, before we, you know, we asked them or to set up an event like this in, uh, in Brazil. And I think the key metric would just be who has used them before and what their reviews are. Because I think a lot of agencies are around this field, which which is fair because there's a lot of need for technical sourcing. Um, but for, for this particular agency, like we, we had used them and we had good reviews. They were somewhat well-established in Canada. Um, I actually met the their CEO when I was visiting Vancouver one day. So like he's, he's a pretty nice guy. And I think the, the difference just is how their reach is because from the local agency they worked with or like even agencies that, um, we would only get one or two hires from, they wouldn't have much of a, of a pool. So they couldn't really offer us much. Right. And we really just wanted the best of the best. And, uh, so I think for, yeah, other agencies they you could say, Hey, I want this fantastic level candidate and they would just come up empty a lot of the times whereas this one agency would be fairly consistent with us like i'm not saying they were they were perfect um because at the end of the day they have to get candidates out there and even if you want like only stellar candidates there's always a chance that they're gonna give you somebody who's not maybe at the level and at that point it's it's up to you still to interview them and have them go through your process to figure out if they're a good fit for you or not. Got it. That's helpful. Um, and you mentioned that you had people on your team posting and all that. Do you have like a hand wavy percent of people that you ended up hiring? How many of them came through the agency versus through other channels? So I think the majority of our international hires were through one or two agencies. Um, just because we we couldn't even fire up the referral pipeline uh, if you don't have anybody, but like we had a, a handful of folks that would 
coming through the agency, they would know the people or that were already at Skip, or they would be in a, in a shared Slack space. And then um, our our engineers would say, hey, like you shouldn't, if you're thinking about it, like you should really come, uh, here's what we were working on. So, but the majority of the hires were through the agency. I think for the for the first trip that we did out of the 300-ish that we interviewed, we hired about 90, um, which was maybe a time wow. too much. From yeah. what we learned, yeah. The first time we went was in March of 2018. And the second time we went was close to the end of end of June of the same year. And the second time we interviewed about 250, but this time we only took in about 30. I think we all had learned what happens to your company when you when you onboard. Uh, we're trying to onboard like when you go from like one or two a week to about 10 <laughs> to 12 people showing up. It's it's not it's not manageable. No, it's hard. The next question is is really around quality. We index pretty pretty heavily on talent density here. And we I I don't have a ton of experience hiring engineers outside of the US. I've hired quite a few, but they've always been one-offs. Like a person who came highly recommended from a friend. And they worked remotely, so it didn't really matter to me where they lived. Um, I've never done one of these big hiring pushes. I know a lot of people who hire largely maybe junior or mid-level experienced people, which is totally fine. Um, but I'm curious in terms of the seniority and experience, were you able to find or were you looking for very senior, very experienced people? Um, and were you able to find people of the same of the same quality as you would find? find if you were sourcing from say the bay area yeah that was the expectation was to only get very senior people we didn't want to get somebody who was early on into their tech career and then have them move um which i suppose is a, is a bit different for for levels but we didn't want to have somebody move and then say hey it's not gonna work out because it, it is painful. Like it's an extremely painful process to go through. And then, you know, after like three months, the company just says, yeah, sorry, this is not going to work out. So for us, the bar was always kept very, very high. And we also knew that folks who were coming in from the pipeline of this agency, they were communi communicating with each other quite a bit about the process. So, you know, they would sort of provide intel as to what to expect from the interview, um, who does easier interviews, who does the more difficult interviews. And I think because we knew that, we would try to change it up a little bit or try to make the interview not so much as like a, a checklist of things to ask, but more of a, of a personalized conversation, which generally is my style. And... Yeah, but the expedition was always that these people are going to be the very top senior candidates. And if we ever had a shadow of a doubt that this person would not work out well, like we would just stop the process there. Uh, it's, yeah, again, it's uh, as an immigrant, like I can't think of what it would even feel like if you started and then you, the company was say, hey, we're you know terminating our, our employment uh, agreement. So and we were able to find a lot of senior candidates. We were able to, there, there's a lot of talent, um, in, especially in Brazil and in Latin America, um, folks who've been doing this for just as long as the rest of us have. 
um, their industries are pretty similar. Like they've got, they've got fintechs, they've got uh, banks, they got like, uh, I guess, technical branches of large, very large, like old organizations. Uh, we had this one joke where I think it was like one in every four person that we hired, they ended up, they were working at this like big oil, uh, I guess, organization called Petropress. And it was, yeah, it was pretty funny. You'll see like how many people just have, I worked there and they're all like senior and they all came and did, did great things. Um, I think the the biggest challenge for us at, at, at a, as a company was to trust them initially, which I know sounds really, really bad. Uh, I saw like we didn't trust them, but it was hard for us to give up our work and give them a share of the responsibility because for us, again, it was a pretty young company. The engineering team was fairly young. So it was difficult to give up something that you had worked so hard to build. But then we saw, okay, you know, everybody that we're bringing on is expected to be the same caliber. So let's start treating them as as such. And I think once we passed on larger and larger projects, we were all very happily surprised that um, this was working as well as we thought, because the onboarding again for when you hire this in this mass, onboarding was not smooth for for a lot of people and they were able to lean on each other because again if it's one person who's lost they're kind of lost by themselves but if you have like 10 or 12 people who are kind of in the same boat they can lean on each other to help each other out um, and and get through it so i think yeah that on the senior level like on the on the talent quality level like we we got exactly what we expected got it so when it comes to hiring because we're we sort of narrowed it down to probably uh, Brazil and Argentina as the two major places that we'll be looking at. Um, we can expand it after, but those are probably the places that we're looking at now. How did you find when it came to language, communication, documentation, all of that? Was that ever an issue or did you just set very clear standards of like fluent in English? So the one good thing about the agency they work with is they do the evaluations for these candidates like based like how clear english like how it is um so and they would only send us folks who were fluent um or had passed their um ielts or something like for a colon c so it was never a challenge i think it's the challenge is always more of a of a culture difference rather than like can this person comprehend english Every now and then, yeah, you, you do get somebody whose comprehension is, is a bit wanting, but it's extremely rare. For lack of a better term, like they all speak English there and they're all very good at English and all the organizations they work for are either like big organizations or multinationals. So that's a bit of a soft requirement for them to be employed in that field. But yeah, it was never really an issue of, of English. That's helpful. And I also had a, a note here around integration and onboarding. Um, are there any, so in our case, we don't need them to move so they can still work remotely. Um, are there any things we should be aware of when it comes to integration and onboarding that might be different than the way that we do it for our current employees? What I would say is, and this is tough for me because I've always worked in an organization that's been like at, at office. Um, so I can only speak from like from that lens is we've had folks start remotely and they're working remotely for about a year or so. Um, maybe like before they were able to move to Canada, just because we needed them to start at that time. And the big 
thing was them not buying into the company because nobody ever went up to them and said, hey, this is what we're doing, this is what we're building. We would have the, the all-hand meetings like once a month, but then you lose so much because you're not at the office, you're not working around people who are on your team, but then you're by yourself somewhere like thousands of miles away. Uh, so I think for us, it was really one thing that I learned later on is how often you have to engage with people who are working remotely from us because they're in a different culture. Um, it's hard for them to relate to the to the average person here. And I really had to keep an, a, a very open feedback loop and very consistent feedback loop with all of our, our international hires that were still working remotely, uh, just so they would know what the company was doing, what the, what the mission was, why are we doing certain things, that it was okay to ask questions. And the big thing that goes into is, the the culture is more of a of a top down only communication. So you know if you have your CEO, they tell the directors or whatever to do. The managers, the managers will tell the engineers to do, or the product manager will tell the engineer what to do. And there's not much opportunity um, from what I gather like in those cultures to actually say, hey, I think you're wrong. Um, just because you said it, I'm not going to actually take it on face value like here's some alternative or here's why i think you're wrong we really had to coach that as well that no you can have an opinion you you should have feedback on a lot of these things it's not just like top down here are your marching orders go build me this thing um i think that was the the biggest cultural difference that i saw was here uh, i guess here in canada folks are a lot more uh, they feel a lot more empowered to say give me feedback to the superiors where uh when we were hiring people and bringing them on from latin america that was uh that was not the norm they we had really had to coach that yeah i could see that for sure we have we even see that within our culture um one of our cultural values is you can change things here and even people who by background have a similar culture based on their work experience it takes often months to get people to actually believe that that's true. So it takes a lot of practice. Do you have anything else that you could think of that we should be aware of if we were to go about this uh, maybe early next year? Yeah, one thing I will say is um, that the network of, of candidates is fairly connected, So, which is a good and a bad thing. I think if you do get a really good candidate, uh, the next best thing to do is to just ask them for referrals. Um, because from my experience, folks have good friendships and they're fairly strong friendships and they will rarely give you like, a, they will really give you a bad referral. Like everyone that I've had refer somebody else from, from Latin America to me, um, they've been as good or, or better than that candidate that referred them, right? So, because they feel a sense of pride. Um, when when they're referring somebody, it's not that, hey, uh, can you give me a job over there? It's more like the person who who's already hired, they're the ones who will reach out to the network and say, hey, I've got this really good company. You should go check them out. They will do all the sort of the advertising. They will do the pitch on your behalf. Uh, they're happy to do so because they see it as like the next big opportunity. And I think like after you do get LATAM candidates, the next best thing to do is just get them to reach out in the network. Um, one, it's hell of a lot cheaper 
um, to to go that route. And second, you know this this candidate will work out. Um, somebody has vouched for them, and and like in that culture, like vouching is it's a major component. So there's a lot of like just self pride uh, that they can bring somebody else on to the team that that they know and they can work with. It also kind of bridges the gap a little bit between the cultures now because they have somebody who's working for the organization that's in their same culture. It makes their stay, um, I think, a lot easier.